Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following content is not suitable for children. The almighty dollar. What is your attachment to money? Money, money, money. Money, money, money. Here we go, Lori. Crazy times with money. Inflation going through the roof. People stressing out. Yeah. We know money is one of the most common things couples fight over. Mm-hmm. It's a stressful topic, so let's spend some time talking about it today. Okay. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. So I always want to invite our listeners to think about we're bonding creatures. If we are bonding happy ways, healthy ways. We, we thrive. If we don't have the good fortune of having a great family of origin or partners, we're going to bond to other things. And a really common thing people bond to is drugs or material things. Money's another one. We get a mm-hmm. lot of affirmation and safety. And a lot of these emotional needs can be met through money. Yeah. You know, what I see with so many couples I work with, that pursuit for money to make them feel good about themselves, to make them feel like they fit in, to make them get oxidosin hits of getting new things, becomes so powerful, so consuming, that before you know, the majority of their life energy is being invested in the pursuit of that, which leaves very little left over for the relationship, Mm -hmm. for the family, and you start to see the stress fractures kind of weaving out all over the place. And, you know, I think our society in general is starting to place money at the top of the, of the chain. Yeah, I agree. I, I think sometimes people find the pursuit of money more within their control, too. You know, if, right. if we're pursuing love and our partner, you know, that, that person got a whole nother thing going on and, and it just feels maybe more erratic. But, you know, I can go to work, I can earn money. I know what I need to do. And so so it's a little more set. And I think, and then there's all the reward that comes with earning money and having money. Like you said, you know, the oxytocin hit of something new or, you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I like that word control because the rules are so much easier. It's, it's, it's easier to measure success. It's like, all right, if I work hard and I get promoted and I make more money, I move up that that ladder, it feels good every rung I I go. So I think a lot of people are caught up in that chase. 
mm-hmm. and the feeling good of pursuing it. And they really take time to stop and see the big picture. And like, where is this ladder actually leading? Exactly. And, you know, I think it's, it's important to pursue our purpose in life. You know, mm-hmm. whatever we feel called to or whatever we're good at just as a person. So I, I think that that brings happiness too. But also we got to pursue the person that we love and be committed to the relationship because I think in this case, you know, love and work, it's both of them are important to us as people for happiness. But I think what you're saying is sometimes there's an imbalance exactly, uh, and people pursue only work and their partner is kind of left with like, okay, I don't see you much. You know, yeah, we got money, but I don't got you. <laughs> exactly. It's all about balance. I mean, we're both capitalists. <laughs> we believe in making money. And Clearly. there's a lot of value in, in that. And mm-hmm. But we're just trying to pause and say, right, how is that serving you? How much of your life force is being invested in this pursuit and then what's left over for everything else. How much you know, of your life force is invested in your career, Mr. Fowler? A lot. <laughs> a but lot, then it yeah. gets confusing when you have a career that's also meaningful and making a yes. difference. And yes. you know, it, it gets easier to fall down that go down that road of well, I'm doing this for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if those right reasons mean seventy hour work weeks and you got nothing left for your family. Mm-hmm. What does your family think about those uh, mm-hmm. investments you're making? Exactly. I think especially pastors and rabbis and therapists and nurses and doctors, I mean, we, we are often working to help people. And so it feels so good. I mean, you don't only get the hit with money, but you get the hit with I'm making a difference. I, you know, people need me. I mean, that feels really good. Uh, but you're right. It's like if your values are give it all away over here to my work and my family is suffering, you know, it's a problem. I I honestly think the highest calling is raising the next generation. If your kids turn out well and you put your energy and time into your kids, it's like you, you are literally changing the world. Yeah. Well, they have a saying in the addictions field. If your partner says you have a problem... You probably have a problem. You have a problem. There's something going on there. Yeah. So it's a good thing to ask your partner, do you have a work problem? Mm-hmm. You know, are you addicted to work or some form of over-attached to work mm-hmm. where, and we all go through phases and sometimes you got to put more of your life force towards work. And as long as you recognize that and you could recenter, I think it's fine. But so many of the couples I work with, they lose the balance and one partner really does give the best of who they are towards making money. Yeah. Right. And that's just a setup. I mean, if that's what you choose, I just think you should have an honest conversation with your partner because if you don't have the best of you to offer to your partner, that relationship is going to struggle. And I think Mm -hmm. we're seeing an epidemic of that in our country and in the world where relationships are becoming more disposable. They're becoming easier and easier. Oh, it's not working for me. You know, I'm happy with my career. I'm just going to kind of keep going in that direction. Like Mm -hmm. you have to keep up with me or I'll find somebody else who wants to keep up with me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just more of this, 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 I think it's, it's putting the self, the me at the center, Mm -hmm. right? Which so many are great relationships. It's about becoming part of something bigger than you and being able to sacrifice for the us 
you know, and that's where families thrive. It's where we know couples thrive. But when this mentality kicks in about, well, actually, it's all about me, and that's what's most important. And I think money really can feed that. So what do you think, Lori? I think so, too. I I was listening to you and thinking of some clients that I know. I, I remember one man, he would not put his phone down for the dinner hour, you know, just was so important and could not possibly put his phone down. And he said, you know, you know, I'm in the this field where people may need me and I need to be on tap for that. And I cannot do that. I said, okay, how many clients do you have? And he had a handful of really, really big sort of company clients. And I said, when you go to this one, do you answer the phone for the other ones? You know, do you pick up your phone when the other ones text you or call you? It's like, no, when I'm in a meeting with, you know, whatever company I'm with, I'm, I'm present, I'm there. I said, okay, so one hour, you can't be unavailable so that your family can have that sort of undivided attention. Mm. And it was, you know, it was really clear to me and he would not see that, you know, it's like, nope, I, I gotta be available to them. And I'm like, okay, you actually are sometimes unavailable to all of your clients, you know, when you are with somebody else. But it was just, it was so crystal clear to me that he would not prioritize. And his yeah. wife was really only asking, like, look, it, we got to be a family. We got to have the dinner hour. This is important to me. And so what he was saying is, you know, my work and my needs of how I'm validated at work are really more important than you are. Yes. So you're talking about welcoming couples to have conversations around boundaries, around what what protects the sacredness of the time together for the couple or for the family it's so easy i think money the trap is we get future focus it's how many couples tell you well if i just work another two years and i could just save a little bit more and i could just like they're so focused on squeezing what they can out of money right now Mm -hmm. that they're willing to put their life on hold into these five years or ten years when they retire and they could what they don't realize is when you get to that point of retirement, so much distance has crept into your relationship that it's like you don't even know the person that you're with. And yeah. they've moved on with their life. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I work with that retire that now they're starting to fight over opening the mail. And they're like, they, they don't even recognize each other anymore. I know it. You know, there's some statistic, and I'm, I can't figure out where it is, but if you retire at 50, you live until you're 80. If you retire at 62, you live until you're 65. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's just the difference in terms of stress when you retire at 50. And and you think about it, right? In our 50s, we have so much energy, so much. I mean, you can go, go, go and travel and stuff, but you retire at 62 or 65 or something and you don't have as much energy and then your body has basically suffered for another 15 years and you know that stress takes a toll Uh on the body and you die early what if you have no plans of retiring (laughs) you got me (laughs) nervous here Lori. now (laughs) i know i I don't have any plans on retiring either i do have plans on changing the way i work you know eventually uh sometime maybe (laughs) we're trying to practice what we preach and how do you this is inviting space to our listeners to just evaluate their relationship to money and how it's impacting their family and their relationship. And 
what's working great celebrate it what's not working put up some boundaries let's do some things to kind of change that to squeeze more out of Mm -hmm. why we're really here in the first place yeah I think we should talk to you about the competing attachments of money versus partnership and love. How compelling money is because it meets so many needs. Having money tells me I'm valuable. There's status, right, in what I drive, what I, where I live, what I wear, the jewelry I have. I mean, all kinds of things, the shoes I wear. You know, all of that, I think, gives you other kinds of hits that we can get attached to instead of maybe the real values of love and connection. I think the real values of love and connection. I think other people don't necessarily. We're not quoting our citations here today, but I remember reading a study that money does make a big difference. That in the, if you make a little bit more, I think it's 20% more of what oh, you yeah. make, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like, it makes a huge difference. It lowers stresses. It makes life a bit easier. But after that 20%, as you keep going afterwards, it not only makes less of a difference, it actually becomes more stressful mm-hmm. the more you make. So it's trying to keep that money in a sweet spot of, of being able to relieve stress, not living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. But once you reach that spot, to keep chasing it and putting all your life forces, the returns on that are, are become significantly less over time. Yep, exactly. It's there is a certain point. I can't remember the salary too. That you know, maybe it's like sixty thousand or something. After that, the incremental joy of having a little bit more isn't really worth it. My my father in law used to say though, whether you're rich or poor, it's nice to have money. You know, it's he nice would, to have money. <laughs> You know, but I think he too, he was chasing money. That was how he found value. He had grown up poor, grew up with a single parent. His father died early. And, mm-hmm. you know, he knew what it was like to really suffer. And, you know, also my, my father-in-law grew up in the Depression era. So he really knew, and he knew the limitations of not having money. You know, he he pushed all of his kids to go to college. They were going to college. My father as well, who did go to college, but it was a big deal because they didn't have those opportunities easily. Mm -hmm. You know, so all of that, but. Well, let's, let's come back and talk about this competing attachment, this, this relationship, this emotional connection people make to money. George, feeling is everything. Excitement, intimacy, anticipation, contentment, Uber Lube lets you feel all the things you want to feel. Lori, I'm so proud of our partnership with Uber Lube. They really are making a difference, helping people feel more, enjoy more. That's all what we're about to. So we just really appreciate our partnership with them. Exactly. Uber Lube. It was created with sex in mind. Its formula is pure. It's basically silicone based smooth and silky and it's body friendly so you don't have to worry about yeast infections or glycerin or parabens and it's got a perfect pump for the perfect experience every single time Ooh, that's kind of sexy yeah uberlube.com with the code foreplay for your discount hey we love uberlube and thank you listeners for supporting uberlube who supports us uberlube.com with the code foreplay So when we say competing attachment, we talk about people form a bond with something emotionally. It's more, it it meets a need. It's like an affair 
or yep. needing a drink. Your body yep. craves the connection and something else, and it turns towards that in moments of stress. Mm-hmm. So it's another relationship. And for a lot of people, they have that relationship with money. It's dependable. It's what they trust. It's what makes them feel good. It's where they're going to turn towards to feel better about themselves, to fit in, to give themselves a dose of oxytocin, right? When they can Mm -hmm. buy something or can give money away or, you know, people are impressed with their money. I mean, on so many levels, money pays off. Mm -hmm. It delivers immediate results. That, you know, it's like checking your cell phone. You, your brain gets these hits of like, it feels good, it feels good, it feels good. And before you know it, you, you can't even imagine life not having it. I know it. Checking Facebook, you know, that little red number that pops up. Oh, I've got six little messages. And then you open it up and it's this, you know, so-and-so that I've never heard of posted on some site that I don't even know and <laughs> care about. And it's like, but I'm, you know, I get addicted to that little red number that I, I agree. The phone is a huge competing attachment these days. Right. But back to money. Yeah. Just to see what is your relationship like with money? Do you look at it like a safety place for you? I agree with you talking about your father-in-law. I grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of money, eight kids. So money represented like, all right, I could... I don't have to stress as much if I could have money. Mm -hmm. I could, you know, there's safety in making money, Mm -hmm. you know? So when, when money makes you feel safe, it starts to meet that need. It's like, if I don't have money, I don't feel safe. Right. And before you know it, um, you'll start to lose that balance. So how do you recognize the emotional needs money makes what it does for you Mm -hmm. and see, is this the healthiest way of getting those needs met? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, can I find safety in other ways than just in making money? Yeah, I ask people and I ask myself, you know, how much is enough? Like, when do you stop feeling stressed about money? When is it okay to say I have enough and I can I can rest a little bit? You know, I think that's part of the addictive pull is we're struggling with something internally that was maybe a, a poor upbringing or... I know one guy whose parents said, you know, you'll amount to nothing. Well, you know, he became really wealthy. Mm-hmm. And that was his way of disproving this kind of early injunction from his parents of, of you're no good. And yeah. so I can prove I'm good because I, I have wealth. There's the all kinds of reasons. The world loves it. The world loves it. Absolutely. The world rewards that. And it's only getting worse. And that's that disposable. People are now choosing money over the relationship mm-hmm. you know you have an affair right well if you buy me a car i'll forgive you like the the idea of staying with the trappings of money mm. you know the choices people are making have be so heavily influenced by money and again we're not here to judge or pathologize i mean we trust people have good reasons for the decisions that they make i think what we're inviting you all to is to think about your relationship to money and is it the best way to meet those emotional needs Right. If it's how you feel seen, it's how you feel important, it's how you feel loved, it's how you feel safe. Is that the best way of doing that? Yeah. And this, the Irish have that great saying, everybody focuses on the drinking and not the thirst. <laughs> so true. Right? What's uh, behind the drive to be successful or make money? Exactly. How many people tell people they should stop working so much and they nod their head and say, yeah, they're right. And they plan on doing it, but they never really get there. Why? Because the needs are being met through it. 
unless they find healthier ways, that's the thirst of getting those needs met. They're going to continue. And there's no time to invest and get their needs met. That's the trap in the relationship. There's nothing left over for the relationship. So they get the emotional needs met at work and they don't want to give that up because they don't have anything else. And that before you know it, their life has passed them by that ladder that they're climbing, they get to the top and it leads nowhere. Mm-hmm. They're lonely. They're disconnected. They have all this money. They have everything they could want. And they're really not so happy. So it might be helpful and we're thinking about competing attachments to think about attachment styles. We know mm-hmm. in relationships, right, we have four styles. Secure attachment, mm-hmm. an anxious, preoccupied style, That's an avoidant style, usually, right? right? Withdrawer, and this more disorganized, this, this combination of both, which mm-hmm. usually response to trauma. I think it's helpful to think about your relationship with money and what is, is it secure? Can you appreciate what it gives you? Although you can keep your balance and you could prioritize other things in your life. And I, to me, that's the goal is to have a secure attachment with money. Is it anxious? It's never enough. You got to keep chasing. It's always next week, next year, next something, right? Your life force is in this insecure kind of trying to get it. Are you avoidant with money? It's like you just don't even see its impact in your life. You don't really want to look at it and kind of what it does. Maybe you're setting your ways and it's just... It's like, it is what it is, and I don't even talk to me about it. I know you have disorganized, which is definitely going to be confusing. It's like, I need it, but it's not enough, and then I'm going to, I don't care anymore. And then, you know, we're all over the place with money because mm-hmm. it's, there's some, some trauma underneath. So what do you think about looking at it with attachment styles? Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. So like the more anxiously attached person might feel this is something to cling to, this is something that... I need and can't get enough of and maybe the avoidant person well the avoidant person like I know a lot of withdrawers who are deeply invested in their careers and mm-hmm. it's almost like well, their pursuers at work mm-hmm. they're pursuers at work yeah yeah they go for it which is a great way of getting partners to think about understanding their partner a little bit better maybe the partner at home is the pursuer emotionally. We talk about this emotional and sexual cycle. Let's throw in a work cycle too, mm-hmm. right? These withdrawers, a lot of the time at home are, are really ramping up pursuing at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? they're really aggressive and assertive and they go for what they want and because there's this tangible goal at the end, money or you know recognition. I mean, there's so many things that are important about our work that we we get from it so many needs mm-hmm. met not just the dollar but, but that how too cool would it be if 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 i was that pursuer at work and you helped me understand that's kind of what my wife is looking for in the relationship mm-hmm. she's pursuing for those same goals those goals are just measured in relationship satisfaction and conversations and feeling connected and safe and good sex and that's what the pushing is for well, mm-hmm. I'm doing the same pushing, but it's more to reach this goal. I want to be a millionaire by this age. And, mm-hmm. you know, that. So, would that help people relate that they're not so different after all? Yeah. And I am often telling more avoidant people, like, look at you have all the skills. You have this part of you that pursues, you know, you track your clients, you know who their kids are, you know what to say to them, you know, you make little notes that. So that when you're with them, you can be attentive, that you can understand the personal needs of this 
say customer so that when you make a sale, I mean, part of it is relationship building. They know how to do it, mm-hmm. you know, but then maybe in their partnership, they're like, done. You know, I've exhausted all that part of me and I come home and I don't want to have to do it here or it should be natural or my partner should understand that I've given it all at the office and I don't have to do it here. Right. And the flip is probably true. Some people who are avoidant aren't really that engaged at work. Mm-hmm. They're really not chasing it. They've settled for a relationship with money that's it's good enough and is that working for them? We're inviting people to just explore. I, we, you're the best judge of your own relationship. It's to me all about levels of engagement. When we know levels of engagement are high, so for a lot of people that's high at work because they're chasing the money and it's really working for them. But because they invest so much in that, when they go home, the levels are low. Mm-hmm. And we should have high levels in work and at home. That's the balance I think we're looking for. And if you start to feel out of balance, then then how do you have a conversation with your partner to start to recalibrate? What do you mean when you say, like, if a person's avoiding at work, so maybe they, you know, I just, I go, I get a paycheck. This is not meaningful to me. I, I'm not trying to get ahead. I don't care how much money I make. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are not, they're just resign themselves that it's fine. It's good enough. It's not maybe what I want, but it's not worth putting energy into it. And they just, they kind of exist, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe they struggle with money, but they, they rather focus on other things. Yeah. And sometimes they, they're married to partners who pursue them, push them, like do better at work. You know, I, I want you to be more ambitious. I want you to make more money or, you know, there's like you know, that can be a push too in relationship. It's like, I need you to do more, to work harder or something, make us more money, contribute more to the household. Exactly. And what what would make somebody not want to do that? What are the good reasons they're blocked that they accept? You know, there's, I think the economy now with inflation going crazy, maybe people just get discouraged. I mean, there's plenty of jobs open out there. It's never been more job opportunities Mm -hmm. and there's not enough people to meet that, right? So what is that about the people who decided not to work? Yeah, I think for some people, maybe they they don't feel that opportunity or their line of work is not that meaningful. Mm -hmm. I, I know couple of men that I've been talking to recently that um, just some friends who are thinking about retiring. They've got five plus years and, you know, they can hardly wait to get out because their job, maybe it's, yes, they're, they're doing something meaningful for their company, but they don't feel like it's meaningful to them as a person. Yeah. And so they're, they're making widgets, you know, and awesome. We made more widgets this month (laughs) than we did last month. And, yay, the company made more money and, you know, maybe that filters down to me as a raise or maybe not. Or, you know, it's just they don't find meaning in their work. Yes. And they do find meaning in relationship. You know, that's where their joy is. That's where Mm -hmm. they want to be. And that that's the good stuff of life. So they're just not that ambitious. I, I, I knew one man who, you know, he had four kids and he struggled and, and he was a really bright man, but he struggled to find employment that was meaningful and so Mm -hmm. frequently you know he didn't work and then of course they were borrowing money from her parents and you know it it was the focus of their power struggle versus maybe sex like we talked about all the time is the focus of the negative cycle theirs was around you know you're not working and 
we need money to feed these children. And I, I think for him, it was it was okay to borrow money mm-hmm. from her parents. That Her parents were really wealthy, and that just didn't feel like a big deal. Right. Well, and I have a lot of nieces and nephews, and I think you see this in a younger generation, that they don't want to waste all their life forces pursuing money, that they're trying to find other ways of staying connected to nature or communities. And mm-hmm. and again, the whole idea of this episode is not to come across judgmental, like you have to chase money. It's really about just getting you to think about your relationship to money. Mm-hmm. If it's working great, celebrate it. If it's not, make some changes. The goal is secure attachment. The goal is to have level high levels of engagement in your relationship. So prioritize that first. We're here to connect. We're here to love. We're here to be with others. At the end of the day, that's what people are going to remember, not how much money you made, but the lives that you impacted, right? So if money helps with that, awesome. If it's getting in the way of that, change something. Mm -hmm. And clearly we're biased. We're saying that we think relationship is a higher value and something that people can be successful at. Mm -hmm. And we want to help you be successful at that so that you you feel a little more stable there and Maybe that reduces the competing attachment. If I can have a stable relationship, a sex life that's exciting, you know, maybe I do want to put more into that. So, And that bias is rooted in immense amount of research that says we are connecting beings who really do well when we're in states of connection, not isolation. Mm-hmm. And for too many people, money leads them down the road of isolation. So examine your relationship to money. Talk to your partner about it. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot and inexpensive. Okay, so tell us about your cutting-edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability. Lori, we just keep pushing it. Coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical moment-by-moment moves of what a therapist can use. You know, we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough there's talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? Give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. You need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.